What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We had on the program Ben Rice. Now, Ben, elite-level powerlifter, but also he is the powerlifting king of Twitch. And throughout this entire week, people have been arguing about the USAPL and IPF. And quietly, Twitch rivals, which Ben was a part of, had the largest stream ever for a powerlifting meet. And this conversation, this interview, if you want to call it that, was covering just that. Ben has terrific ideas when it comes to just how to make powerlifting more entertaining. And this live stream, if you guys didn't see it, was one of the best produced live streams we have ever seen in powerlifting. And a lot of people involved in it weren't competitive powerlifters and they weren't world-class powerlifters. But this could be the future of powerlifting. And Ben shares his ideas, his experience with it. He is an awesome guy to talk to about this, these things. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out his Twitch stream, please do it. And this was just a really good conversation. Uh, Steve actually took the lead on this one because he had some really great questions and insight on this. Uh, he watched the entire event. And yeah, like we said initially, people are talking about the IPF and USAPL. But for the entire sport of powerlifting, this type of production is going to be very important. And we need to listen to guys like Ben in order to progress the sport. And this interview did that. If you are just listening for that reason, make sure you're taking notes. If you're part of the USAPL and you're listening, please take notes. Hell, if you're part of the IPF and you're listening, please take notes because this will help the sport tremendously. Also, we finish off on a interesting lifter rating for Ben. So again, terrific interview. Hopefully we could have him again sometimes because he fits the two white lights demographic and grain because of all the ideas he has and the creative one of the creative minds of powerlifting so before we get into the interview got to talk to you guys about leflar bros ladies and gentlemen go to leflarbros.com make sure you follow leflar bros apparel on instagram and get yourself some leflar bros merchandise they have the best powerlifting merchandise in the sport right now and the reason why is because they always reinvent themselves they always come with new designs nothing is looks the same everything looks different and that's what you need from a powerlifting brand more designs, great designs, and they help you look good in the gym, out of the gym, and on the platform as well. They are a triple threat when it comes to that. And they just released some socks, and they're going to come out with some dad hats, tank tops. And if it doesn't get any better than that, you can use that promo code, the best powerlifting promo code in the sport right now, 2WL15. Save yourself some money using that promo code 2WL15. And also, Two White Lights merchandise is is sold exclusively on leftlarbros.com as well. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to get some Left Lar Bros merchandise, which you can choose from all the different designs that they have. And then you're going to fill your cart with some Two White Lights merchandise and you can use that same promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money. Also, make sure you are going to lift.net and get yourself into some Stoic gear. Stoic has the best quality equipment in powerlifting i wear stoic gear in the gym and the platform and for that reason is because it is the best it is affordable and it could be even more affordable if you use that promo code angelo10 save yourself some money on in my opinion the very best knee sleeves in powerlifting but also the singlet and wrist wraps are quality as well and also like i said they're affordable and that's key get yourself some affordable powerlifting equipment go to lift.net Get some stoic gear and use promo code Angelo10. Also, make sure you are going to notoriouslift.com, follow Notorious Lift on Instagram, and get yourself some no slip drip 
deadlift slippers. They just had a drop as I'm recording this about three hours ago, and people lost their mind for that drop, and they sold out quick. So sign up for the newsletter. Don't miss out on drop, and use promo code ANG15 to save yourself some money. That is ANG15. Save yourself some money to get yourself some notorious lift slippers. If you miss on the drop, don't worry. They're going to have another colorway. Hell, they may even re-release this drop soon, sooner rather than later. So make sure you are on top of those drops because they sell out so quick. And you can save yourself some money as well if you use promo code ANG15. Also, make sure you guys are subscribing on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify as well. I appreciate everyone who's left a review on Apple Podcasts and has left a five-star rating. We need more of those, and again, I cannot thank you guys enough for all the positive things you said about Two White Lights, and without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. And as promised, I got with me elite level power lifter. I would consider him a legend of the sports, but also the twit king of powerlifting, Ben Rice. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me. I love getting a chance to talk to people, and this is uh, this should be fun. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this episode. Uh, Steve is here as well, uh, which is going to be great because I think he has some real great ideas and questions how this interview is going to go because you know we have a lot to talk about, especially on the creative side of powerlifting. But I think a lot of people listening to Two White Lights don't exactly know your background as a powerlifter, uh, and they might associate it more so with the Twitch stuff. So give a little bit of your background on powerlifting, how did you get your start in powerlifting, and then how did it eventually lead to the, uh, the Twitch? Sure. So I started what I would call exercising with intention outside of other sports in 1999. I was 10 years old and I started working out, lifting things. And then I started competing in uh, formal powerlifting competitions in 2005, all the way back when I was in high school. And that progressed. Uh, I wasn't great at any of it, but I've gotten better over time. And I would do just a bunch of different federations I've done WABDL, I've done uh, USPF, which is the USPA before they rebranded. Um, I've done uh, UPAA, which is the drug, the self-paid-for, drug-tested version of UPA. Uh, I've done uh, just, just base. I've done a lot. I've done yeah. probably a dozen or so, yeah. and I started competing in the USAPL uh, in like exclusively in 2015 or 2016, one of those, I started working with uh, Hanny and Eric from the Strength Athlete and eventually went on to just continue working with Eric. And uh, I've done okay. I've done okay in the sport. I've, I've had a couple of uh, national podium finishes. I was uh, in prime time every year that, I, that they had it, that I was in nationals. And in 2019, I won the Arnold Pro-American uh, and... I was the first person to actually beat Ray Williams on coefficient. However, that was because that was the first time they stopped using Wilkes and started using the IPF points. So that definitely uh, favored us. But that was uh, 
I would say that was the last big competition I did. Um, I did nationals the following year, but I was getting a little bit burnt out on just the cycle of prep for competition, go to competition. And I was falling more and more in love with the process of uh, live streaming. I started posting YouTube videos along my powerlifting journey in like 20, uh, 2010 or even before that. And it kind of grew into this other opportunity. And so I've been streaming now on Twitch for four years and I love it. And it's kind of taken that, that position in my life of sort of the, the driving force where I'm still getting to train. I'm still getting to kind of pursue powerlifting, but I I would call myself at this point, sort of soft retired from powerlifting when the pandemic hit, I was planning on uh, skipping nationals in 2020 to focus more on the stream And then nationals in 2020 didn't happen because of COVID. And uh, I'm not really looking to, like, I'm not opposed to competing in formal powerlifting competitions anymore. I plan to eventually do some more, but the focus for now is still on the stream and the community that I've built there and the connections that that I've established with this large group of people all over the world. uh, Via the internet. So that's, that's kind of it. I'm sure that there's little parts of it. I, do okay with the strong stuff. I would probably classify myself more as a strength entertainer now mm-hmm. uh, than a competitive powerlifter verbatim. But well, you mentioned one of your accolades being the first person to beat Ray Williams on coefficient, but I think <laughs> the most prestigious of your accolades is the biggest deadlift in a T Rex costume. Oh, it was uh, it was a, it was a it was a sumo lifter lifting me, yeah. an inflatable sumo man. Yeah, it so was, you. You you have that title like you that's your that's your accolade yeah yeah bring it on haters let's see someone else do it I'm ready I when I saw that I'm like I can't I probably could not deadlift 600 pounds in that in that costume but you did it and yeah and, and I think that was I I I mean I love that video but really uh, I think around the same time I had a uh, Tim Tibbet on the show and mm-hmm. he accredited you with being the kind of the power lifter who really got into Twitch and made it popular Um, because he was talking about what he was doing with Twitch to me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Hey, you know, I don't really know too much about it. He's like, check out Ben Rice's page. He's like, do it. He's like the OG when it comes to this kind of stuff. That's what really got me hooked onto it. So I think what you've done within that, like little COVID break there has inspired a lot of other people to get, you know, that sort of content out there. Cool. I think that's uh, giving me maybe a little more credit than I deserve, but I I appreciate it anyway. (laughs) Well, with that in Twitch, I mean, I'll just, I, I followed you for a while and I remember when you started getting on Twitch and I, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I, my assumption is when you got on it, it wasn't like you thought you would be where you are today with it. It was more just to kind of stream your workouts and probably be connected. Am I right in saying that? Right. I, the reason I kind of stopped posting YouTube videos, which is what I did for, I don't know, it felt like a, almost a decade of, of posting workouts and doing commentary videos. I hated editing videos. It was it was soul sucking to me. I would sit and I didn't have a great uh, computer to even do the video edits. It would take forever to render something, and the videos would corrupt. So I was like, "Well, the, this part of sharing my powerlifting or my ideas or or what I'm doing with my life isn't as fulfilling because I'm having to get stuck between this this disconnect and the parts that I enjoy, which would be engaging with the people that watch the videos, answering comments and doing that kind of thing. I wanted something that was a little bit more streamlined for that. And so Twitch is 
is basically I'm getting to do the same kinds of things. I'm living my daily life, but instead of having to stop after my workout, edit a bunch of video footage together, I get to have it. I just get to skip that part and start engaging with people as they come in. And that's always been the most, uh, the most like fulfilling part of sharing what I do and, and doing that. And Twitch is kind of like cutting out the middleman for it. And so with that, I mean, like, I'll just be completely honest. When I saw you do that, I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool, but that probably isn't going to go anywhere. Like, I mean, like who's going to go on Twitch, but obviously I'm completely wrong. Like that was entirely wrong. So apologies there for thinking that. What do you think kind of took it from this? Like, okay, I'm just going to stream my workouts because I like interacting to where somehow it kind of took off and to where you are now. Kind of like, I mean, obviously it was probably a slow evolution, but what did you kind of see as the steps that it turned in from this just kind of like hobby thing to like actually legitimately being a big part of your business? I remember in like, in the, I had almost like an existential crisis in the, in the late 2010s, I guess, like, like, or in the 2010 to 2015, where I was thinking like, man, I, I've put myself in this position where I'm, I'm making these videos. I finished school. I'm doing this stuff. I don't know what I'm supposed to really pursue anymore. I, and I was like, I remember a moment where I'm like, man, I kind of wish I would have gotten more into video games so I could be a Twitch streamer. Cause I found out about Twitch before it was even an option to stream uh, non-gaming content on there. So when I found out it was an option, I was like, that'd be kind of a cool thing to pursue. And so I started doing it. And I was just like two times a week and let's just see where this goes. Um, it is a big time investment because it's not unlike a YouTube video or an Instagram post. It's you're, when you're not live, it's not posting anything out there. So I was like, I'm going to see how this, how this goes for a while. And I would, would go live and people would show up and we would have conversations. And over time it did kind of just progress and progress. And I was excited about this opportunity of doing it more. I'm literally doing the thing I want to do. <laughs> and it's, it's really freeing to do that. And then over time, we've had a couple of, of pretty impactful moments that have, uh, the thing about Twitch and most live streaming services is that you support the creators usually directly. It's, it's a direct from the audience. When someone subscribes on Twitch versus subscribing on YouTube, they are saying, I value this enough to either use my Amazon Prime, which comes with every Amazon like Prime subscription, or I'm going to pay $5 or $10 or $25 per month to support this person and allow them to keep doing what they're doing uh, because I see the value in that. And that direct transaction thing, it's like one person who's saying, I like this, and it's almost like crowdfunding, but it's built into the culture. And so now it's my full-time thing i support myself i support my uh my partner i support my three rabbits and my cat by people seeing value in what we do and choosing that they want to keep it going so we've had some really big moments on stream um and it's allowed me to like i've never been financially well off in my life it's my parents didn't have money i didn't have money when i finished school i was kind of getting by month to month when i was coaching athletes afterwards um but it's, it's weird that I've kind of been able to become a provider for the people in my, in my life just by doing this thing that I love doing. And I see it as being, it's super fulfilling because I get to interact with people, answer questions, like help try to provide something for them, whether it's lifting advice, whether it's life advice, whether it's a place to come and hang out and feel like you're not alone in the world when the whole world shut down with COVID. 
or uh, I do music streams as well, and we do some gaming streams, and sometimes I try to make people laugh. We just have a whole, it like it allows me to be expressive and take all of these skills and things that I've worked on for decades and put them all into one place into having conversations with people and interacting with more lives than I ever imagined that I'd get to do. And it's become such a huge thing now. Um, I never want to stop. So within that, I have to imagine the audience within Twitch is different than Instagram or YouTube or different mediums. So who's the average person you find yourself interacting with and maybe how that differs from who you interact with on Instagram versus YouTube? Most of YouTube and Instagram are people who found me through lifting things specifically. Uh, Twitch, I've had a lot of people come over from those other areas too, so they know me as a lifter. But there might be people who come in during a music stream or a gaming stream that don't understand that a large part of what I do is I do all my workouts on stream. And uh, so it, it it's pretty eclectic. We have business professionals. Um, I've had someone who has a position where they work at the White House, or I have someone who's a, I've, I've had conversations with people, their school teachers that were just scrolling through and browsing uh, on Twitch. After the, the most recent Twitch Rivals powerlifting events, I've had influxes of people that come in and are fitness interested, but not fitness experienced. So they will come in with like their entire online experience has been about uh, playing video games. And they've heard people who are kind of interested in, in exercising and getting stronger, but then they'll come in and like, Hey, I didn't know this even existed here. What, what do I need to do to, to like start making progress and, and kind of take control of my physical agency in the world. And that's kind of how I try to encourage people to go about it. And it's, it's been great. I, I guess the, the, to, to boil down that to a, a single TLDR kind of answer, I, there's a lot of different types of people, but it's, it's so, it's, it's just this eclectic group. But the one thing that is they, they share this connectedness via the platform of Twitch and, and video streaming and, and talking with people online. Mm-hmm. So within that, kind of framing this to if someone's listening or someone's interested as a coach or an athlete and uh, Twitch is a bit foreign to them. Like it would be foreign to me. Like I have a YouTube channel. I have a decent amount of subscribers. That's that's my subscribers are all people who are typically coaches or dedicated athletes themselves. I'm not necessarily growing the sport in numbers. I might be growing the sport in knowledge where you're definitely hitting a niche that is incredibly important. That's one of the biggest reasons we wanted to talk to you today is we saw, we're going to get to the Twitch rivals, but we just saw just unbelievable potential in how that could grow the sport outside of our community. Cause, cause way too often we do stuff that are just bolstering our own community versus how can we have more outreach? So if you're looking at like a, a coach, who may want to hop on Twitch or an athlete that may want to hop on Twitch. Um, where do you see the benefit for them? I guess, I guess here's how to frame it. Do you, do you still coach people yourself? I, I do, but I've gotten to the point where I'm, I'm telling people actively that I'm not taking new athletes on. Okay. Uh, I guess I'm leading the point. Like if I was to get on Twitch, the business opportunities I have that you have seen through streaming that versus other mediums. Um, I think it can be a way. Uh, so in, in most, 
media figures that I'm aware of and people that are like business professional business or industry professionals when it comes to live streaming, most people don't recognize or point to Twitch as being a top funnel metric. Usually live streaming would be something that other social medias or other platforms would funnel into. Uh, and so I would say if somebody was a coach or something and they wanted to have more access or integration with their, uh, with their athletes or with other coaches would be to maybe stream technique reviews or informative programming type things. And you could use that as a supplement to your other business model. Um, most people who are just streamers are not going to make a living doing it. It's incredibly volatile in terms of, like I said, your community supports you directly. I've been incredibly, incredibly lucky that I've found some very supportive individuals who see value in what we're doing. Uh, it's very difficult to be discovered on these platforms, especially if there's less awareness that it exists. And that's one of the things the Rivals events, which we'll talk about, have been really helpful with is, is bringing awareness to the platform as a whole. But I would say someone like uh, Bryce Procheck and Calgary Barbell, they have a Twitch channel and they do technique reviews. They stream a few times a week and they have people come in and send in technique reviews. And that can be a monetized thing. Uh, I have I do technique reviews occasionally where anybody who's subscribed to my channel or uses uh, another thing called channel points to, to bypass the paywall can come in and and have me look at their lifts online and go over what I would recommend about it and break down any technique things. So I would say that the biggest potential benefit for live streaming on Twitch for somebody in the strength industry who's interested in that primarily could be to supplement their current business model by offering live stream because the the, you can interact in real time with those people and you could like announce to your athletes like, hey, we're doing a technique review, send your stuff in, we're going to have this public forum, I'm going to have it up on my other monitor, we're going to go over this together and you guys can learn about my process of breaking down biomechanics or uh, I know Joey Franzo has a Twitch channel and at first he was doing some video game stuff but he's moved more towards powerlifting, uh, conversational topics where he'll go over like program uh, development. He'll show like, these are the things I'm thinking about when I'm writing a program for ex-athlete and it can continue that education. But the difference between doing some curated content like a YouTube video or an Instagram post and the live stream is that you can address questions in real time with thorough answers and get clarifications without having to do the back and forth of commenting back and forth or making a response video. And so the, the, the proximity to your audience in real time, I think, is the real benefit that a lot of these other things don't really offer as much. Awesome. So talking about your Twitch channel in particular, I, I can see the setup in the background that's going to lead to the exact question I'm going to talk about. I think there's two things that I kind of – I can't say I've watched your Twitch channel much, but there's two things I know very much about it. Is you mm -hmm. deadlift 700 every week, yep. and then you tend to superset all of your stuff. And I don't know if that was just for time reasons or you found that that was just more entertaining and kept the audience more, uh, kind of involved that you were doing multiple things versus doing a power lifter resting five minutes. So explain kind of your setup there and how that possibly has kind of led to this kind of the grabbing the attention of the audience and keeping them captivated. So, yeah, I would, I, I did mention in my intro that I feel like I'm kind of a softly retired power lifter where I'm not like never going to power lift in, in competitive meets again. I do plan to do that but I've kind of transitioned more towards a strength entertainer. And I do have to give disclaimers sometimes when I'm training and say, Hey, 
I'm the information I'm giving you when you ask me a question about getting stronger is going to be to the best of my knowledge, what we as, as a communal body of educated strength athletes and professionals would recommend that this is what most people benefit by at the same time. I'm going to do something that is meant to engage and entertain because as much as I love powerlifting, the mo- the more effective training styles are a little bit boring to people that are not endemic to the sport. I think that's one of the biggest weaknesses of powerlifting in its current form is that if you're not a powerlifter, sometimes it's hard to engage with and be interested in the lifting of other people. So like watching competitions, I think that's one of the issues when it comes to like money in the sport or watching someone's training. A lot of the, a lot of this, the sexy, exciting stuff isn't really as optimized. It's just kind of putting in basic hard work consistently over uh, weeks, months, years, and decades. And so I've kind of shifted the, uh, towards like strength entertainment or stunt lifting. I'm actually prepping uh, on my birthday in 31 days from now, it's going to be this big event where I'm going to be supersetting deadlifts and bench press every minute on the minute for a hundred minutes. So we're going to do a hundred reps with 605 pounds on deadlift and a hundred reps with 315 pounds on bench press in a hundred minutes. I'm doing two, two deadlifts. And on the next minute you do two bench press and someone would hear that and go, that's stupid. And I would say, yeah, (laughs) this isn't, this isn't, you don't do this to get strong. I didn't do this to get strong. I got pretty darn strong. And then I can apply that to these other ways and try to make it more entertaining. And so that's the kind of thing, the deadlift streak of every, I, I like the idea that every calendar week for the last 193 consecutive weeks, I have deadlifted at least 700 pounds, if not more. Um, why would you do that then? What, what if you're sick? What if you're hurt? What if you're traveling? What if you have a competition the next day? Well, I got to keep the streak alive because it. I can. I can make it more than just about my total. I can. I can stand as a symbol of consistency, and that if you're committed to this thing, it. it I can. I can make this more than about myself, and that's kind of always been the idea. And I think that's why people have gravitated towards it they may not understand what that is or if that's impressive but they understand that that being able to show up every week and do this thing consistently and try and find it it's allowing me to add value like i said with the skill set that i have that's not really good for much else like i can't really do a whole lot you know you're not gonna a doctor can go to medical school and and save lives with the knowledge they've obtained a competitive power lifter can go and pick up a heavy thing I like the idea of making it more than that. And by entertaining and encouraging and standing as, as God, this is so self important sounding, but standing as a symbol for something else, I think has, has added way more value to the skill set that I've spent decades cultivating. And it's way more meaningful to me and to these other people as a result of that. Yeah. And I think, uh, Pete Spence recently posted on his story of just trying to make the powerlifting stream more sexy. And, mm-hmm. A lot of that is already being done on Twitch because uh, it just it gets boring. Even as a powerlifting competitor who commentates meets, it gets boring just watching squat bench and deadlift. Mm-hmm. Like the ideas from other people are is what's going to propel the sport into the right direction. Because he was talking about let's get a camera 
backstage during the warm-ups room or during the dugout. And me, I was like, yes, that is actually the most entertaining part of the meet is being in the dugout and seeing other lifters watch other lifters compete and the little inside conversations that are that are had, the comments that are made, potential arguments. Us watch, I, and I said us watching the monitor during Russ's squat was would have been entertainment gold because it was just, mm-hmm. it would have been either funny, exciting. People would just got a kick out of it, and it's that type of thinking outside the box. I think it's going to propel powerlifting, and very similar to what you're doing on your Twitch. It's like that kind of stuff is going to help people appreciate this more a little bit more, even though it's not like the thing that you, the thing that you're going to do in your training, right? Like mm-hmm. supersetting squat and bench or deadlift and bench consistently is just something that people aren't going to do, but it's there and it's interesting for those people just out of an entertainment form. Yeah, it turns it into an event. And powerlifters compete so infrequently mm-hmm. uh, in general that it's really difficult to, like in a lot of times, it's powerlifting in its current competitive state at the highest level of competitive excellence is pretty sterile. And I mean, there's even there's even aspects of the IPF and how they how they apply like their standards of what athletes are and are not allowed to do that makes it even more sterile. It's intentionally dialed back commentary, nothing that can potentially be inflammatory. And people go out there and the person does their lift and they stand back up and they put the bar away and they get the lights and they walk off the platform and we're super strict on 60 second timelines. So you don't time out. And it's so in a pursuit for competitive integrity and, and this, it's the sterility of the presentation if you are not a powerlifter who has a dream to one day be on that stage, I'd rather watch League of Legends, man, because there's a dragon there, and I, and it's and you have exciting, energized commentary. I think the most entertaining powerlifting meets we've had have been the ones where there's like a big screen behind with replays, and you have excited commentators who are interested in telling you the stories. But if you don't know who a person is, it's just some other guy or girl squat in the bar mm-hmm. it's like making making it about the people and characterizing the athletes i think is 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 so beneficial to having a connectedness like people are more than the weights that they lift they are personalities they're individuals they have storylines and speaking of pete i know that they he's he and i have talked of he's tried to drive storylines uh for individual athletes and look at their life outside of the lifting because otherwise it's pretty Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's and that's just, that's the the groundwork for other sports too. Like they rely on that sort of uh, pop and circumstance of mm-hmm. professional sports. It's it's always that's been the case, and they and even if they even if they dial it back, they still try to get a little bit of that in there to make sure that the not just the fans of the specific sport are watching, but the person who's just flipping through the channels are also watching as well. Like you need yeah. that kind of stuff, and I think. Right now, so much in powerlifting is geared towards making it more professional, which is great, but I think they're going about it in the wrong way. They think, okay, let's throw some money at people. That'll that'll make a professional. Of course, money's good, but we need the higher production value of but entertaining where's the, stuff. Where's the money come from? Exactly. We need- is it going to be other powerlifters? We already have people that are complaining that it's too expensive to maintain a membership in X Federation, and it's too expensive to... Have to pay uh, X amount to have a coach in the back warm up room with somebody. 
like powerlifting doesn't really give back. It, it takes away from the athletes in terms of their financial compensation. The biggest powerlifting payouts for drug-free powerlifting were the Pro-American and the Grand Prix at the Arnold. Those were $1,500 and $2,000 respectively. I won the Arnold Pro-American, $1,500. Great. That's nice. But I also had to buy a ticket to fly to Columbus, Ohio. I also had to, to pay for my lodging. I also had to pay my entry fee and my membership fee. And I had to feed myself while I was there. Mm-hmm. Take that away with like a coaching handling fee and stuff. You come back and maybe you broke even on that. That was the biggest, that was the second biggest payout in our sport for drug free lifting. Mm-hmm. That is, you can't live on that. You can't do that. And I don't know where the money's going to come from unless you start taxing your lifters more. So like the pro circuit that they're talking about, we just been having these copious amounts of money before where's that been is that going to come from the sponsors did the sponsors know that we're doing this how are they going as a from a business perspective how are we going to get a return on our investment sponsors do not just give money to a thing because they kind of like it they give money to a thing with the anticipation of their own brand awareness and moving merchandise and selling products so that they can make a profit. That is how sponsorships work. It is mm-hmm. always intended to extract some sort of value. And the pro circuit will fail if it is dependent on just the lifters because they're never going to get anything back out of it. If you increase the USAPL membership fee by 50 to to $100 more per year just so you can fund the top point zero 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 one percent of the competitive base they're not really living to their own stated principles when they were pushing back against the ipf of saying we care about our lifters at every single level if you're going to start taxing those other lifters for already the most expensive membership fee that exists in the states i don't know where that now powerlifting is a viable long-term option for for financial compensation and professionals goes. It's you have to find something to make it more interesting to get non-powerlifters interested enough for advertiser dollars or to have some sort of financial incentive injected into the sport or the mm-hmm. sport will wither. Yeah, that was that was like one of my primary points on the pro series was okay, like, the idea is there, it makes sense, but if this is it, if this is just, okay, we have some money being passed around, it's going to fail, and it's going to suck. Because what the attention should be is, like, yeah, we have this pro series, we're going to give out money, but the other priority should be, let's make it something entertaining for our viewers and for the people who are attending these meets and tuning into the live stream. That's the big one for me, is Mm -hmm. the live stream views, because... If you just look at basic numbers here on YouTube, watch the live stream for uh, the highest live stream for nationals this year was 56,000 views. And that's more than the people just spectating in the stands, right? So you want to probably make your product for those 56,000 people who are viewing at their homes and on their laptop. And what they gave us wasn't great. Static mm-hmm. camera, not a great camera angle. You don't really get to see the greatness of Raw Nationals. People that are spectating there get to see it. That's fine. But that should be the the entertainment value is dynamic cameras, storylines, energetic commentators. They have to start planning commentators. I was asked to commentate 
during the competition. And I'm like, I, I can't do anything here. I can't commentate a meet that I didn't do any research for. Right, like, I could do something here, but come on. Like, if you wanted to get me to do this, or if you want to get someone who's energetic and really cares and understands the lifters, tell me three weeks in advance. I'll do the research. I'll come up with little cool quips and cool stories. I'll interview people. I have a podcast. Very easy to do that. Have probably mm -hmm. done it in the past. But that's the thing I think they should be focusing on is making the sport entertaining. And I think that if they want it, because people from the USAPL listen, let's check out Twitch. Let's see what's going on in Twitch. Let's check out some YouTube channels. Let's actually use what we have to our disposal that other powerlifters are creating in order to make this work. Because if it's not done in a different manner, it will suck, it will fail, and then we're back to step one of just trying to figure out how to make powerlifting more professional. Right. And, well, sailing off of that, it's a good segue into what was probably the best powerlifting meet, per se, live stream I've ever seen, which was Twitch Rivals, which is what we were kind of alluding we're going to talk about, um, because that was fantastic. I, I hadn't heard of it until the day before it was happening. I was like, oh, just tune in. It, it, I, 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 got the, I got the sense that obviously it was going to be a very big thing in the sense of um, having Tyler behind it and having Twitch Rivals behind it. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the views in a little bit, but I was beyond shocked how unbelievably captivating and high-quality live stream was. Um, how good the commentators was, how good the backstory was on these lifters, how good the segues were. Everything about it was everything that I wish like USAPL live streams could be. It was just fantastic. So maybe even backtracking a little bit from there, uh, Ben, if you want to kind of let us know kind of how this came to be. I think you were part of the first one. I don't know if you have some insight kind of how this formed. Um, and yeah. Well, I there were there's there is a a fitness community on twitch there's people that they stream a majority of the content that they're producing is going to be fitness centric and a few other streamers um average joe's oc eat it pal underscore and destroyed approached me about helping to commentate on the first ever twitch powerlifting meet and the way that that happened was we put out a call collected people's video submissions during during covid and then played those video submissions and, and talked about it on stream. That got, uh, they had reached out to Twitch and had gotten front page allocation. So the, the front page on Twitch is when you go to the, the website, the front page is a little carousel of videos of live streamers that are live right now that pops up there. And so that was pretty successful and it highlighted this community. And so we did another one. And then what happened after that was they uh, had been pushing like, hey, if you guys wanted to have a live powerlifting meet with other streamers who were doing this, this would be a good idea. And Twitch passed that along to Twitch Rivals. And Twitch Rivals is a, it's a, it's a segmented portion of Twitch where they will go around and they will find different members of, of different communities, usually a game, and they will have them come and compete against each other in whatever their game is. Uh, for prize pools with more production value and things. And it's, it's this opportunity to highlight a community that's on the platform. So the first one, we got approached and said, hey, you guys are streaming on this. We're going to do the first ever Twitch Rivals powerlifting event. We're going to highlight one of our uh, top 50 in the world streamers, um, Tyler One, and he is going to, we're going to have it be like his event. We're going to have a $10,000 prize pool. There's going to be 10 lifters 
and you guys are going to squat, bench, deadlift, and then you're going to do uh, an AMRAP of push-ups and an AMRAP of pull-ups. And I was like, I like those first three. Let's figure out, <laughs> okay, this will be interesting. And so it, it happened, and it was the single largest uh, positive event for like my community. On the, uh, a fi- I've been streaming for four years, and a fifth of my following came from that first event because of the exposure. When Tyler streams, is when he's doing his League of Legends streams, he's streaming to concurrently 30,000 to 50,000 people. And that first Twitch Rivals event, I shotgunned a monster and deadlifted 750 pounds in front of 100,000 live viewers. That was the first one. This last one, they they put out a, an announcement on Twitter. We're looking for affiliates and partners on the platform that think they're pretty strong for the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. We got something, we got something cooking up. Give your applications. And so a bunch of people applied. And this time, 16 of us were, uh, were snagged. They had two captains. Those captains picked teams. And we did a powerlifting meet uh, on two weeks' notice, by the way. And it, the, they flew Michaela and Tyler, which were the two captains, down to Los Angeles. And they had a studio that they set up just for them with high production value. They got a professional shoutcaster who normally does like Overwatch and Valorant uh, shoutcasting and got a former Olympic medalist in Olympic weightlifting and brought them on. And we put on this big production for like for tens of thousands of people to watch. And it wasn't, it's, it's kind of crazy that I, I was the only one with a whole bunch of real powerlifting competition experience in this. And it was so successful and it kind of shows the interest in viewership is like, yeah, you want to see someone who's doing something that's exceptional, but the production quality and where you're putting that out in the audience with those personalities is what's really driving the awareness of that. And so uh, I've had people ask me like, hey, do you think that Twitch Rivals would be interested in you know, kind of highlighting some of these other powerlifting meets? And it's like, well, you know, it's about highlighting a community, but this platform has that capacity potentially if it's approached well enough with enough of a backing and enough of a push that there is audience there. And that could, that could be done still with a a YouTube type thing. But I think the biggest takeaway was that the focus and the highlight was on the individuals and on the production more so than on the the highest level of competitive excellence. Uh, Because it just like you're, you know, most of those totals weren't going to, weren't going to win a national event. They got more eyes on it than those national events, which I think people should pay attention to. And and it should be very indicative of what the viewer, the potential viewership could be if some other considerations were taken with how powerlifting is presented in its current form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and something going along with kind of how it was presented and what we talked about. Um, one, the commentators who don't powerlift themselves, I don't mm-hmm. believe, Seemingly knew more about powerlifting than like 95% of commentators. They were fantastic. Their questions were not bland. They asked amazing questions. And that kind of sets up for those who maybe didn't watch it. Almost every, I didn't get to deadlift, so I don't know if you kept on doing this, but all through squat and bench, every single lift that a competitor did, there was at least two through two to three minutes of back and forth with them and the commentators getting the background story, getting information on kind of how they're getting hyped to the lift, maybe asking about their competitive background, maybe asking about their story before they actually did the lift. It was all just story building of getting to know the athletes, which like you said, like 
they weren't a, they weren't Russ Orhees, they weren't Ray Williams. Yet somehow it was almost more interesting to watch these fairly just normal lifters compete because you got to know them. Yeah, I would. I had a few friends that are power lifters. I know both the Bryces, Bryce Krawcheck and Bryce Lewis, had, had like asked to be on it, but neither of them are actively streaming their workouts on Twitch. And I think that Twitch prioritized people that are streaming their workouts in the like that would have been crazy. Like seeing seeing some of those insane things happen. Um, a consideration and something that I've actually given back as as some feedback was because of that format. Most elite level power lifters may have hurt themselves because the way the format where it was if you've ever i mean if you guys have but if, if anybody listened to this you've ever been in the back of a warm-up room when someone's getting ready for their big squat attempt it's usually headphones in sit in the chair head bobbing not very entertaining not very interesting imagine going out to take your squat and having someone stop you and say hey there buddy uh let me just ask you what is the reason for you wearing a belt right now would you like to educate the viewers on this the way that people approach the competition would need to adjust as well, because most people are like I'm about to squat. Don't talk to me right now. And then you do the lift after being literally having someone ask you questions that could or couldn't be related, do your lift. And then afterwards you're like, <sighs> they're like, how'd that feel? Tell us about it. Also like, what's your childhood? Like those are interesting things, but it would demand a, a fundamental shift to the athletes the other thing is we did all of our openers off stream like and submitted clips so someone would take a highlight of that video footage and then they would send it to the judges to have it reviewed then they would look over it. Um, I don't really have a whole lot of time to do that. I, I did my third attempt bench press and they said you have 10 minutes to submit your opener so we can have it in time for the broadcast. So in 10 minutes I changed my shoes to my deadlift shoes and went from empty bar to 745 in 10 minutes so that I could have that clip. And then in between those, because there were 16 competitors, they interviewed before you do your lift, they interview after we had an hour in between every individual attempt. We had athletes that were like, when they're off stream, they're trying to like keep themselves warm by even taking openers and stuff again. Um, but it, the, the main point that I'm trying to highlight here is to put on a production like this is it demands a different skill set from the athletes. Can you warm up in this amount of time? You have a time limit on this. Can you keep yourself warm for the next X amount of time if we're going to do this? Can you go from being interviewed and, and being pulled out of your, your focus to lifting and then being pulled back out of your focus to do these sorts of things? So like, I, I think it, the production and the presentation is great, but there are some things that would that would ask athletes to do things that are not opt that you're not going to get eight to 15 minute rest periods with a predictable time for your warm-ups when the show's ready to go we're not going to ask if you need more time you better be able to do that and that was one of the reasons that i think it was good that they got streamers because we're used to that mm -hmm. if i'm if i'm doing a workout and i come back over to my computer after my set and someone asks me a long-form question i might answer that question you guys can probably tell if you're listening i can talk a lot if someone doesn't cut me off so like I could get into that rabbit hole and it might take me 30 minutes to get to another set. One of the reasons that I started supersetting things together for time efficiency, but it's the, the way that we look at the sport might need to fundamentally change uh, if people want access to that. And if people are happy with it the way that it is, I mean, that's their prerogative. Mm -hmm. I'm, I would love to see it continue to grow and at least try some different things.
Yeah, I think I think taking bits and pieces from it works too. You know, like doesn't have to be a complete carbon copy of what happened with the Twitch right, rival right. stream. But what you said, yeah, it will have to change how the the competition works. But it can happen. Like what you just said, like uh, with just in between squad attempts. You know, right before the squad, you interview someone. You know what? Like, it's going to be maybe a bit of a shock, but we need that. We need that in powerlifting. It's like, so good. Yeah. It, it will be so entertaining to listen to some to someone else about to hit their squat or even after the squat or and that quick questions when they're in a dugout, and you know you can get potential like, hey, so um, what did you think of Russ's squat? Like, eh, you know, I think I cut he cut it a bit high on the first two attempts, but uh, like imagine 2019 where Russ like came down to his final squat, then you mm-hmm. interviewed someone in the top ten within that prime time session. Being like, did you think they were high? It's like, oh, yeah, I thought they were high. <laughs> Imagine the amount of interest that'll go into his third squat from a live stream's perspective if you got that um, if you got that content. And yeah. then also you could have a camera on Tina and Joey, like, watching Russ's squats. Like, okay, this is really some high-pressure stuff. So it'll be a shock. It'll be a change. But I think it's for the better of the sport. And you can always – whenever you see a product – Pick and choose what you like and how it matches with your current product without completely dissecting it and destroying mm-hmm. the format of it. Like that's I just like my my goal for people in powerlifting is just to try to watch these things and gain an appreciation for it so you can apply it to powerlifting, like as right. a whole in the competition. Like if we can get that, I think we'll be in a better situation than we are now. Yeah, I got to go into my second attempt on deadlift with Tyler and I were bantering back and forth going into the going into it. On when he was announcing the teams, he he made a he made a big a big bold claim that Ben Rice is overhyped. He's not even that strong. I'm not coping, I promise. And <laughs> so like I recorded that audio and I played it back to him as I walked back to do my second deadlift of 775. And it was hilarious. It was like people people love that and they remember that moment more than the weight that was even getting lifted. It was about mm-hmm. the interaction between the athletes. It created a storyline. It was Tyler is Tyler is trash talking this this person, and this person's going to go and do the thing exactly that he said he wouldn't be able to do. And it was it, like people enjoyed that aspect of it. Like the lifting is great. We need the high level lifting, but I think it is going to demand more of the athletes if the sport really wants to grow. Yeah, and as a competitor at nationals this year, just while the 83s were going, the thing that stuck out the most to me was not any of the weight I lifted or any of the weight the other competitors lifted. What I remember most is all of us gathered around the monitors to watch Russ's first squat, and when he hit his squat, it was almost like a dunk contest, where everyone just kind of like put their arms up, put them on their head like, oh, it's over. Like, that was, that was a ridiculously fast and deep squat. It looks like he has no problems with depth today. And that was entertaining just in that little... It was just entertaining for us, you know? So if it's entertaining for us and me as a competitor, like, trying to focus, but I took that as the most entertaining part of the meet, then (laughs) the live stream viewer is definitely going to find it way more entertaining. Yeah, it's the the spectacle. It's not... It's like strength plus spectacle. Strength entertainment. Mm -hmm. So... One thing I even found interesting, maybe you could allude to this more because I don't know much about this particular streamer. Um, Michaela, who is one of the captains, Tyler was one captain, Michaela, I don't believe she had ever powerlifted before. I, on the streams, he said she had never benched. 
<laughs> so literally, as they're going through, she was being coached by that Olympic weightlifter, albeit some sketchy attempt selection, in my opinion, um, was being coached by her to show kind of like the, the ease of kind of getting into this. Like it, it's something that yeah. this person who just generally works out can easily kind of hop in and do, which again is going back to the differing audience on Twitch and just allowing this ability for powerlifting to seem accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I don't I didn't see anything, but like, if you go on Google right now and type in free powerlifting programs, I'm like the fifth one that comes up, which I'm pretty mm-hmm. proud of. I tried to see if after that there was an increased uh, click rate to that. Cause I wondered mm-hmm. if from that, there was going to be more people getting off that stream saying, okay, where's a free powerlifting program. I didn't see anything. I would think there might be, I, I really came away from that stream thinking I would bet there's a lot of people going and searching powerlifting after this. So a few, a few little things. So Michaela is Tyler's girlfriend. So it was really funny that they were like competing captains against each other. She was in the first Twitch Rivals Power Meet, but when I said that it was squat, bench, deadlift, push-ups, and pull-ups, each athlete could only do four of those disciplines. And Michaela skipped bench, so she didn't have to bench. So she was in the first event, but never had to bench for it. And I, I think that it's cool that they have those kind of moments where they can, like, here's this person, here's how we're going about this. Like a, a, a standoff segment that happens from, a, if the only thing that's, every time that you're watching a powerlifting meet, there's going to be a break between the, the, each of the disciplines. The squat, okay, we're done with the squat, we're going to move this over, and the live stream dies for 20 to 30 minutes, and there's nothing to watch. Imagine some programmed content here of like here if you're if you're interested in this we're going to provide something that is going to be interest so because I'll tell you right now if I'm streaming down here and I say like hey guys and I walk away without something on stream to go to the bathroom and come back sixty seconds later your viewership drops if I took thirty minutes to go upstairs and not leave people with something to keep them occupied. It's, it's gone. You're losing, you're losing all the viewership. It's like, they're not, there's no reason to stick around, but if you have something that, Oh, it's like they do at halftime events of like how many people watch the Super Bowl versus what's the, what's the click through rate when people are going to watch the halftime show. It's there's people who just watch it for the halftime show. Like those are, those are the kind of things that, or like, Super Bowl commercials, those sorts of opportunities for something where I think when I watched Raw Nationals this year, they played two or three sponsor made videos about a product. They could have had some sort of programming through that. And like, here's something that's going to expand our reach. Since the first Twitch Rivals powerlifting event, April 19th, I have not gone a single stream and I stream five days a week every week. I have not gone a single stream where I haven't had someone come in and say, Hey, I found you from this powerlifting event. And I started exercising or I started powerlifting or I started doing strength training because watching that made me think that I could do it. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool and really engaging. And thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And that like, I don't think that I've had too many times where I've, I've had a competition video where someone's come up and said that it's, it's, this event like it broadens the exposure rate and i think that's really kind of the path forward things like that the the programmed other content or unintentional content of showing like this is how you 
go about doing these sorts of things. A workshop or something that is being highlighted on those live streams and broadcasts would help way freaking more than just, all right, be back in 30, uh, stay if you want. We don't fucking care. We're big powerlifting. It doesn't matter what you do. We're not putting any investment or time into the production of this. So I don't know how it's exactly it's going to play out. Um, Saber for his next meet, not the Virginia pro, but the October meet, um, he is requiring all of the pro athletes in the pro qualifier division to be submitting five minute interviews. And he actually said in the email, if you do not submit it, I'm playing Rick Astley during your time. There I'm going to Rick, I'm going to Rick roll you the entire time. And I know he's doing that in preparation for the Virginia pro to figure out the kind of, so I don't know exactly how he's planning to do that, how he's planning to implement that in, but obviously, I mean, that that's exactly what we're talking about is like, okay, let's have these lifter interviews that can be playing during a certain time, especially between squat bench and deadlift. I mean, I, I would love to see, I mean, we are talking about it, just going back into the back room. I mean, as a coach, I'm not always doing something. If I have one lifter back there, there's a good five minutes where I'm sitting there doing nothing until our next warm-up attempt. They could easily be going back and interviewing Joey Flex to say, how was, how, uh, how was maybe you don't want to interview Russ, but interview Joey in the sense of kind of how did Russ's squats go? Come over to me. Uh, what happened to Sean? Did he, I heard he, he tore his hamstring. Is that true? Things like that could be very, very intriguing. Oh, so I um, mean, imagine that at last raw nationals, right? Like, just oh, yeah. getting I mean, those, would, just getting those questions about Noriega so you don't have this stupid-ass, like, um, hearsay that happens afterwards and the speculation afterwards, like, from the from YouTube commenters, from IG commenters, from just people generally in the sport, if you actually got the clarification then, in the moment, mm-hmm. then you could just completely eliminate any sort of... Because I still think people are unclear on what simply happened at Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when you say with, like, coaches, yeah, like, that'll be great. But also, with the athletes as well, there's going to be athletes there who will relish in the opportunity to take interviews. Like, me and Pete were talking about it where it turns into, like, so who would be the person to take those interviews? I'm like, you know, there's people who sit there with their headphones in are very focused. But me, I'm relatively relaxed during competition. I will answer. Mm-hmm. And actually, that helps me. Like, during competitions, yeah. when I talk to my other competitors, it helps me relax a little bit. So if they're asking me questions about, you know, what's going on with the competition, how I'm feeling, what about this lifter, like, that's actually something that not only I would appreciate, but I think I still think a lot of other lifters will appreciate it as well because you have different personalities in the sport that can yeah. really that can really uh, – that can really help the product in just spotlighting their personality. Because it's a shame that we don't know personalities of powerlifters yet, and there's some really good ones out there. Like, if it's not they're putting on a show on social media, we don't know these things. And it's just, like, not the... I mean, when I talk to Dennis Cornelius, he's just a cool... He's a cool dude. He's just a cool dude, and no one thinks that because he's never on social media. But he's just a cool, chill, laid-back dude. Yeah, giving people the opportunity to be expressive in those in those instances is and personality is really like it is something that if someone is engaged in social media, uh, Johnny Candido was is one of the the most well known competitors in powerlifting. He has one of the most successful like and back in the day he had a very very successful YouTube channel before he was winning things. Like I think he would even attest like I'm not I'm not winning worlds but the the personality and putting things out there and like whether it was the informative content or just people connecting with him as a person 
was like driving more awareness than some people that might be in the same weight class, but even now totaling mm-hmm. because like the weight and the excellence is, is one aspect of it, but being able to make connections, like people are people and they're more than the numbers that they can pick up. And I, I think that, that giving more attention to that doesn't necessarily even have to remove physical excellence from the equation. It just adds to it and makes it more potentially appealing for other things. I, I just, the, you, something's got to change if you want it to change. And if, and if people continue to do things the way that they've done, it's not going to get any better. Well, and then on, on top of that, like when we're talking about uh, powerlifting as a whole, really, the boom in raw powerlifting was around 2015, and it was because of social media. It was accredited a lot to social media, and not saying it's died down, but you still need you still need to find that other media source that is going to promote the sport. So what even you just said, like people tuning into Twitch to watch um, the live stream, have now said they're interested in exercising, getting under the barbell. Mm-hmm. That could be the next boom that we're looking for in powerlifting, and we need that. We need. We simply need more people under the bar. More people under the bar is better for the sport. If you have more people doing it, it's always going to help the popularity of it. So I mm-hmm. think you need that other media source now because I think YouTube is getting a little stale. And mm-hmm. IT is IT and you know all their social medias are, you know, I think within their own thing. But Twitch is kind of this newer thing that powerlifters haven't really tapped into. So if we get more powerlifters to really get into a... Uh, to get into that community, you could see another potential boom in powerlifting. Maybe I'd be I'd be excited to see it. Um, bringing, I mean, it obviously would benefit me to have more people that are interested in fitness being in in Twitch and bringing you know non Twitch endemic audiences because Twitch does have some similar you know challenges when it comes to when it as you know just like powerlifting does, where it's like bringing non endemic users to a new platform. So having someone who's a non-powerlifter watching and understanding powerlifting, there's a learning curve of what needs to happen. That's why like entertaining and energized commentators or, uh, or like Steve was saying, the, the kind of here's how to bench press thing that can be engaging, um, bringing people from outside of Twitch to Twitch or from outside of another social media onto a social media, I think can be beneficial. I do have some caveats and some things that I would like caution against. Um, it is going to be difficult to do things the way that people are used to do doing them and still stream. I do know a few people who have come over that were like pretty elite level lifters and they come over and they stream. It does change the dynamic of things. And so um, I would, I would just encourage them to have an open mind if they're doing it, that some stuff might, might be affected. You're not normally getting normally like when you're at the gym and you're focused on your workout, you're, you're like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to focus up and it's, it's don't, don't talk to me. I'm, I'm here to work. Well, you're going to platform now where the idea is that people are going to talk to you and it's going to come off really weird. If you're not okay with them talking to you, you're going to be constantly distracted. So that I just, just a consideration um, it does take a lot more like of a, of a buy-in of someone being interested in the thing uh, to, to make it successful. And I would say that it's not going to provide you with the optimal training experience, but I think it can be a good human experience and something to, to try. But please, dear God, don't go out and buy like $7,000 of, of streaming equipment before you've tried it. Try, try it with what you have and find out 
if it's something that, that you like enjoy doing first. Um, I do want to highlight, we did, we did do a Twitch thing, uh, lift together 2020, mm-hmm. um, was a huge charity event where a bunch of lifters came to Colorado and we streamed the event on Ellis McLean's Twitch channel. And we brought in like $26,000 for, for the, the chosen causes there. And that was, I think a really good example of like how you can mobilize this, this platform in a way where you can bring non-endemic people who aren't used to what is a Twitch? Why are people posting these little pictures in the chat the whole time and, and not really fully understanding that, but I like, I've seen it work when it's intentional and uh, yeah, so I'm definitely in favor of it. I just want to make sure that people don't think like this is the next YouTube. I'm so ready for powerlifting will grow here because it <laughs> does demand a different, a different skill set and level and the people that will, excel in this may not necessarily be the people that would excel in those other more curated platforms you you have to be willing to talk in some dead air and and find something for yourself where like it's you can't write a script for a live stream i mean you can try it's just going to fall apart as soon as someone talks to you mm-hmm. so that's that's i just those are my little caveats i think it's great i think it's awesome temper your expectations and, and give it a shot if people are interested in it. I'd, I'd be happy to answer questions if people have them like along the way to try and help you get started. Cause like I said, the more people that are coming into the platform is better for all of us rising tide and all the ships and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be interested to see the progression of where this could go with one. If the, if the Twitch rivals powerlifting meets continue, mm-hmm. um, but if not, like you've kind of alluded to it, like this, this isn't probably replacing high level powerlifting. Like, we're, it's not replacing nationals. It's not replacing IPF worlds. Like the the, the top, but there seems to be a segment. Uh, it, it might be I don't want to say it's demeaning, but the average powerlifter who's not going to be going to nationals and is never going to get highlighted a local meet or anything like that has the ability. If somehow like it, we have the Twitch rivals thing, but somehow there was some type of like actual organized Twitch powerlifting federation that you held semi events like this, where it was based more around the interaction and the smaller number of people doing powerlifting meets that you could literally sign up for, for Twitch streamers. Mm. I can see that going somewhere because it, it goes back to what you said. It's going to be better as a collective than a singular thing. You, you've gained so much from being part of this collective. If these new streamers are coming in, it's going to be incredibly hard for them to get much of a following. But if there was this collective organization and since powerlifting Twitch Federation that was holding these regular meets monthly that you could sign up with that followed the similar format i can see a great growth for that and a great growth for a segment of the population that likely wouldn't get any interest on instagram or stuff like that they're, they're not mm-hmm. necessarily highly impressive lifters that people are going to follow on king the list and stuff like that there may not be someone on youtube who can put out informative content but there's someone who's a great personality they, they're fun to watch lifting and they can be part of this this new style of powerlifting meets that can be organized just through twitch yeah. And w- well, there's something else that was implemented there. The team system, the team system with a point, with a point total, uh, we, so my team won, but like the, the way that the points worked was simple scoring, like the biggest squat earned X amount of points based against the field. And then the second biggest squat. So like it, it actually kind of balanced out some of the imbalances in the strength deficits. I out squatted everybody by like, almost a hundred pounds and it equated to one point. Whereas like someone out benches, you know, two people out bench me by one and two pounds and they get two more points for that. It, it evens that playing field. One of the issues I think with powerlifting in terms of being a draw for things is past the, the first big, you know, someone talk about Russell or something like that. If like, you see the big, 
that big performance, what happened to the rest of the the field? Where like who else is doing that? Most powerlifting is pretty much too predictive on the outcome. Where something like the point system and the teams made it more interesting. Like it, like in terms of who's going to win, it's stressful as heck as for as a competitor because you have less agency on your ability to win or lose because you have a team of other people and their and their performances are going to matter too. But like. So, like I like you're right. I don't think it's going to replace USAPL or anything like that. I think that it's it's not it's not meant to. But those those different types of mechanics that have more room for experimentation on the platform would be great. Our team won a twenty thousand dollar prize pool, and I got a year's supply of Doritos, whatever that means. So, <laughs> and I think we're some we've seen people try and do this, but they did it wrong. Is they just tried to hold an online powerlifting meet, but that's not fun to watch. It like like I just mean, like. Like well, it's not literally all it is, is just like, just because the, the interesting part here was the stories and the interviews and the back and forth. If it's just a straight online powerlifting meet and that's what a Twitch powerlifting meet is, it it's in sense no better than what we can get through the services of a, a national meet. If it's something like this, where we can take just normal lifters and somehow create storylines through this platform and this different setup, even though it's not necessarily optimized to lift the most weight since you have an hour between attempts sometimes mm-hmm. it's optimized for viewership and it's optimized right. for viewership for an audience that's not watching nationals right that nationals is trying to impress other power lifters this is trying to impress likely some people who play league of legends that somehow stumbled upon powerlifting meet on twitch exactly it's it's trying to understand the endemic versus the non-endemic audiences and bringing more people into the sport because you need fresh blood because eventually everyone's gonna like when you when you get to the point where it's not worth it anymore, or it's like you're you have other real life responsibilities and you move away from competitive powerlifting, it's a little bit less exciting. A lot of the draw for watching these high level events is someone seeing themselves get to that point or imagining themselves on that stage. And you need new people seeing those things to have that idea of I can get stronger than I thought I would, because you're gonna run out of people otherwise. If you're not constantly injecting new uh, awareness of the thing because most people will come on and be like, oh, you're a, you're a powerlifter. Is that like the thing on the where they pick up the rocks? Or is it, no, that's in the Olympics, right? Where you do the overhead thing and it sounds like you're wanking. It's like, no, no, no the, the, the jerk and the never mind. It's, it's <laughs> one of those kinds of things. Like you have to educate a non aware audience as to why this is interesting for them. Angelo said that uh, 2015, the kind of that explosion of powerlifting with social media. I would say that like raw lifting wasn't even a thing until like CrossFit (laughs) CrossFit exposed people to barbell sport. And, and you'd saw a huge uptick at that point where it's, it went from multiply powerlifting to like, I was competing in those years. I was competing before raw lifting was an option. Like you didn't do raw lifting. You did raw until you could afford your supportive squat suits and knee wraps and stuff. But I think that, when people started doing CrossFit and CrossFit started getting all this uh, awareness surrounding it, people started going like, well, I don't have to buy all these expensive, uh, you know, stiff underpants to pick up the heavy thing. I can just go and do this. And so it started growing in popularity and awareness there. And then that kind of people started pursuing this so that they could start posting on social media so that people could become more aware. And it kind of picked up momentum and it just, it just comes down to how do you get people to watch the thing? Mm-hmm. I think if anyone would debate which possibly has more outreach, I think it simply is stated 
that Capital One, Verizon Wireless, Samsung, Doritos, State Farm, Dunkin' Donuts, and Pizza Hut was the sponsors of this powerlifting meet. I got a year supply of Doritos. I do not know what that means, but I I never got that from a from a powerlifting meet. I've been competing since 2015. No one's ever offered me Doritos. <laughs> We'll yeah. see if we can uh, get USAPL to add up to the prize pot yeah. for the Pro Series. Well, just the idea. It's like the the. I know that the first one, there was a time where there was 100,000 concurrent viewers. I think on just every individual who was streaming on Twitch Rivals had their own stream going. Um, and on the main stream, I think there was, you know, 50 or 60,000 people watching at any given time. And it maintained that for seven hours. Which is like that, like when was the last time you saw a you know one of the YouTube live streams get that many concurrent viewers, not views, not views. We're talking people at the same time watching this thing happen in real time and like hours watched it is it's not even not even close to anything that's that's been put out there, and we didn't have like world level lifting going on. I, I think I put up some decent numbers, but it was that was pretty much it. I squatted six six nine because it was funny. Like for, <laughs> it was it's, that was my third attempt on squat. I, I did mean, see that, and I was a fan. Yeah, it was, <laughs> but like, oh, someone's like, you could have squatted more. I'm like, yeah, but it wouldn't have said six sixty nine, which was immense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. Angela, did you have anything else in regards to the Twitch stream, or did you want to move into uh, lifter ratings? Well, super quick. I mean, just maybe to wrap this up, as far as the year, uh, the you know, kind of the original topic. Yeah. Is there anything just in the future that you're planning? Uh, just you know, or you know, you have some future goals that you kind of want to accomplish. Um, just going forward, because uh, I think you know that's. It's a good thing to talk about because um, you get one air it on here, and you know we get we we can two our lives can say you heard it here first, so that's kind of just a selfish thing. But two, um, just uh, so you know, you can get it out there and maybe get some support behind it. Yeah, I mean, I've like I said, I've kind of transitioned towards more like personal goals and fulfillment mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like competitive placements and stuff. I'm not opposed to doing other meets, but I'm that's that's not the thing that's driving me right now. Uh, one of the big things, I think that this workout that I'm going to do on the 4th is, uh, the 4th of October is going to be the most physically impressive stunt I've ever attempted. It's not about maximum strength. It's not even about conditioning. It's about willpower. And just for a hundred straight minutes, I'm going to be getting no more than like 50 seconds in between to catch my breath or move from one lift to another. And just the sheer amount of volume we've done stuff like that, stuff kind of like this before. Um, at the lift together 2020 event, I did an 800 kilo total in under 60 seconds. And I planned for that. So it was like, have those three bars loaded squat bench deadlift in 60 seconds. I totaled 800 kilos as a, as a thing for a fundraiser. I said, I'm going to go from an empty bar in my own basement to a 1700 pound total in 10 minutes. So that means I need to, I had to squat 615 bench 375 or 385 and deadlift 715 in 10 minutes. I, I've been really enjoying those kind of challenges or like the 700 streak. We're at 193 weeks. I want to see how long that goes. And so my personal goals are more like, instead of like, I want to squat this, I want to deadlift this, I want to bench this. It's like, I want to keep finding different ways to, to engage myself with this, 
the skill set that I've cultivated and try and share it in a more, to me, engaging and interesting way than prepping for 10 weeks to go to a competition and doing three attempts. And I mean, we, I did, I did the Twitch rivals this time on two weeks notice. And so I deadlifted six times in 11 days to get ready for that. But I would say, yeah, the, the, I'm, I'm coming up with these ideas and in ways to, to challenge myself and, um, trying to make it more of like an event that I share with this community. There's this sense of shared connectedness from the, from the viewership. And so that's kind of where I'm, where I'm going. And eventually we'll, you know, if I'm, if I'm wanting to do a meet, we'll look into it, maybe do another, you know, some nationals and stuff like that. Uh, the road to IPF worlds seems a little bit wonky now, but the, you know, I'm, I'm open to those kind of things, but I'm really just enjoying like sharing this other stuff with, with my community. So for sure. I'm very excited to see that. And yeah, that's, those are really uh, just cool things to be on the lookout for. But, um, to finish off the interview, we're going to go to a two white lights classic. And that is our lifter rating. So, from 1 to 99, you're going to rate yourself squat, bench, and deadlift. Uh, then we'll come up with an overall. So it looks like you are pretty well prepared for this. So I'm excited to see I, your numbers. <laughs> I Because I'm not prepared for this. And that's <laughs> the thing that's funny. I, I was looking over and I saw the lifter ratings things. And I was like, oh, crap. So I messaged a friend. And I was like, hey, I've never like tried to rate myself before on these things. I've never really paid even that much attention to what other people are doing in regards to how it is with me. So I'm, they've got this like on a 99 scale. And so like, I'm thinking like maybe like a squat, like 85 bench, 75 deadlift, like, I don't know, like 90, 95. And like, where do I, where do I stack up with the USAPL and the IPF in terms of totals? Like, cause my best competition squat is 711 pounds at 105. My best bench is 402. My best deadlift is 794. Um, I've had, I've had multiple like 800s in like other federations or things like, you know, or, or in charity events or in here, but I've, you know, in the, in USAPL qualified competitions, those are my best numbers. I'm like, where's that stack up? Like on a percentile, right? Am I like, where's that at? And uh, he very Britishly laughed and said, uh, your, your squat is in the 99.9th percentile. Your bench is in the 95th percentile for USAPL and 93 in IPF. And your deadlift is in the 99th percentile. And it proved to me that I have an incredibly huge bubble skew because I'm looking at that comparison versus my friends, who many of them are like the Bryce Lewis's or Bryce Krawcheck's of the world. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I am terrible at this. I would still, I would probably split the difference and say like squat. I've, I've done okay. I would still like, if I was, if, if we were rating it on how satisfied I am with my outcome, probably 90% on squat, like, 80% 80% on deadlift and probably 94% on or nine, yeah, 90, 90% on squat, 85 on bench press and like 94, 95 on deadlift. Cause I, I feel like I can do more than anything that I've shown, but I'm factoring in those other things. And it, I will say it was a huge ego boost for me to like, see where that stacked up percentile was. I'm like, man, I've been okay. 402 bench isn't the worst thing in the world when you compare it to everybody else, but yeah. Okay. The, 
best part about the lifter ratings, though, is a lifter giving us the ratings and then us disagreeing with it and then bumping them down. That's probably, like, the... I'm like, am I going to make an enemy just immediately on the show? Is like when somebody comes with the lift rating, it's too high. I'm like, no, dude, you're not that good at squat. We got to bump that down just a bit. <laughs> yeah. I I don't. The thing is, I'm not very like personally attached to that. Right. <laughs> like my I feel like my my value is not really in those things like I've worked really hard but I've never considered myself a very gifted lifter Mm -hmm. I think that I think that everything that I've done is and I've gotten people mad at me before by saying this I think that if you take any person who is who is adequately driven and give them 22 years to like single-mindedly I used to schedule my college classes around my workouts to make sure that I could like get adequate training time um, I don't think that anything I'm doing is, is beyond the scope of a, of a highly motivated individual without, you know, some sort of like massive drawback. So mm-hmm. feel free. You can tear me 50, 50, 50. I'm fine. If you want to, <laughs> you want to well, completely rip into me. Well, I don't actually I take that back. The best part is posting on a two white lights page and then the commenters yelling at us that mm-hmm. we rated people too low when the person rated themselves. And like, how could you come up with these ratings? I'm like, I literally didn't come up with these Just ratings. Just like person say theirs, yeah. Well, I'll give a little bit. I pulled everything up here. Usually how we're looking at it is obviously like, I mean, not me. You two are in the 99th percentile of everything, really, because you're in, in the grand scheme of things. We tend to look at like, if we're doing Madden, Madden is only comparing ratings to other NFL athletes, not the general population. So right. just random things thrown up here. You have the 71st best squad of all time at, oops, that's the wrong class. 22nd best squat of all time in the 105 class. You have the 1,069th best bench all time in the 105 nice. class. Nice. Nice. Intentional. People are like, Ben, you should work <laughs> on your bench more. Stop talking about your shoulder. No, <laughs> fuck you. Nice. Nice. Also, disclaimer really quick. We are not bleeping this out. Two white lights is not sophisticated <laughs> oh, no. enough. It's reflex. It's reflex. Because <laughs> I'm like, right. the first time I heard it, I'm like, wait, we don't do this on two white lights. We don't bleep shit <laughs> out. Me. And then you know I'm like, disclaimer, we do not have the technology to do that. I don't even swear. I do because my mom would hate it if I did. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then it's like, what the fuck is going on? That's actually, it, it hits better when there's a bleep. I, then, think it's <laughs> I do it because it's yeah, funnier. It's, we need it. I yeah, think I think we need it. Like, yeah, like, you never know what I said. Like, what a beep. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what did you call that person? What a, a B, C, bitch. D, like, what? Yeah, it's. <laughs> So good. It's it's better when you leave in the bleep. So I'm just saying, our just the yeah. two white lights. Let's don't get used to this because we don't have the technology <laughs> yet to bleep shit out. So welcome to live streams. <laughs> so, uh, lastly, thirteenth best deadlift of all time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thirtieth best total of all time. If we go, if we go all of them. So it is. So what? So what you said? What? Did, what was your ratings? You said ninety, eighty, and what? In like ninety three or ninety four, I actually don't. Yeah, that's, I don't think that's horribly far off. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. Like, yeah, pretty pretty. I got. Uh, I, gotta, I actually got to tell people never to prepare for this 
Because if they do research, then their numbers are too accurate, and I really well, want I, people to I be did, like the research. The research I, was me asking my friend, and he was like, "Yeah, oh, that's 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 already too much." I guess, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I gotta like Spitfire right at you. What's your rating? Um, One yeah. to ninety nine, and like, um, I would have gone super low. That 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 was me. Uh, that was me upping it because I, like I said, my the company that I tend to keep is like people that can do those, yeah. <laughs> right. I would say like my intangibles are things, uh, the things like my, my work capacity, um, that the, you know, the stuff that at, at, at that lift together event, I deadlifted 800, uh, back to back days. I, I did that. I did that. Um, I did an 800 pound deadlift in the inflatable sumo suit. I, the next day, the next morning, they were having a donut eating competition upstairs, which seems super unfair, where I totaled 800 kilos in under 60 seconds. And then later that night, I, there was a, there was a charity incentive for me to put back on a deadlift suit that I haven't worn in a while. And Joe Capliano lied to me and told me it was 793 loaded and it was actually 816. And so I deadlifted 816 again. And then I did uh, I did more lifting and then the next day we did our a grid league challenge and stuff. And, and there were, I think just about everybody at the event, the main comment to me was, we just don't understand how you keep going. Mm-hmm. So like, I may not be lifting the most of anybody and by a long shot, but my, my ability to like, just, I willpower. Yeah. If, if it's, it's like, so those are my, those are my lifting stats. If you guys add another one and it's just like refu- obstinate refusal to stop, I would say that's, that's my, that's my maxed out character trait. It's the 99 for me. Well, I was going to say, you also got one other 99. Yeah. Hostless celebration. The swag boy. Yeah. That's a 99 yeah. for sure. Yeah. You got to kick your foot out. It's like, look what I can do. Ha! And it's. <laughs> I think I think everybody looks ridiculous when they celebrate after a lift, mm-hmm. and it's like we accept that, like There's, screaming, yelling, "Let's go!" Where are we going? Yeah. No one told me, but I I like the idea too that like no, when I'm when I'm lifting something heavy, this is an expression. This is an expression of joy and fulfillment in my life. I'm going to celebrate in a way that is more reflective of that. So I just kind of kick my foot out and like look what I can do, and I did the thing, and then I walk away. And just, man, people get so mad at that. Mm-hmm. like the little kick thing's a little cringe bro and i'm like why are you watching a man lift things and while wearing tight pants on the internet you need to calm down bud we're not <laughs> we're not warriors in the arena right now i'm me flaring my foot out and kicking you'll you'll get over it you'll learn to live yeah it's hard to look cool doing a celebration after any lift i will say that but yeah i will put fun. you like 99 i'm just like I, I like you're definitely a 99 overall with stunt lifting like that yeah. is a ninety nine overall like thing like uh, like twitch lifting ninety nine overall you you are the goat you are the no one, you are the Taylor Atwood of twitch streaming because he's the only ninety nine <laughs> lifter rating currently currently as it stands yeah. he's the only ninety nine lifter rating yeah I'm 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 happy with what I bring and I think that it's uh like I said I already don't believe I'm I'm some exceptional never before seen athlete i just think that i've i've worked with what i've gotten and i'll continue to do such so whatever people want to rate me is that's they're they're totally welcome to do that it's not gonna change my direction or what i'm trying to accomplish mm-hmm. do you have the do you have the lifter rating uh, steve what's the overall on that 
80, if we go if, uh, 90, if you go 90, 80, and 94, 88 overall, which I think is pretty solid. Yeah. I think that's probably about right in line with kind of where you stacked up. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, on that note, uh, looks like we're going to wrap up here. Thank you very much for coming on Two White Lights. I think the listeners are going to love this one. I definitely enjoyed it. I think a lot of good ideas were shared. And yeah. um, we will love to have you on again sometime. Yeah, well, thank you guys so much for having me. And, I, I mean, anytime you want. I, Like I said at the beginning, this is, this is kind of what I do. My comfort zone is sitting and talking to people. So it's nice to have people who have voices instead of just words on the screen all the time. But it's, uh, I'm, I love this stuff. So. Well, we've got, we've got a little tradition going. We've been doing a hashtag oh, for yeah. anyone that actually listens this far. Ben, you ch- is there something uh, specific to your Twitch channel that we should hashtag and get everyone to hashtag and see if we can get it going on on stories? Hashtag gratitude and joy. Okay. Hashtag gratitude and joy. That's the one to go with. All right. That's going to be our most sophisticated of our hashtags so far because it's been hashtag where's Mike Zordos and hashtag fuck what's cancel the perms. One? Oh, yeah. Cancel hashtag perms. trophy husband. <laughs> All right. Hashtag trophy husband was the bonus one. Hashtag cancel perms. And then once we do the, uh, if we even do the USAPL and USVI, hashtag virginity rocks, we'll, <laughs> we'll be the hashtag for uh, that episode when we, I don't know, even know if we're going to air I'm it or not. But. That. This, this, was a good, this was a good break from powerlifting drama today. Like this, yeah. is, this is a nice, happy episode wow. of positivity while everything else is just negative right now. I, yeah, I get so burnt when people come in. Ben, what do you think about, like, can we talk about literally anything else? I'm sorry. It's so, the the, the drama and stuff is the is the least engaging. It just bums, it just bums everybody out. Yeah, well, it's like, because, I mean, we put ourselves in position because we cover the sport. Oh, but, for like, sure. During, for sure. Well, during, like, my workouts, I'm getting, like, added and all these debates and kind of just labeled as, these, as a USAPL apologist, which I guess we kind of bought on ourselves. But, like, I'm like, I'm not even on the world's team and not good enough to be on. I have to now settle debates or, like, make story posts about the world's team. Like, I'm not even there. Yeah. I have not been asked to go to Sweden in my life to do mm-hmm. powerlifting, and I still have to, you know, talk about it. Like, hurts inside a little bit. I'm like, man, I'm not even, not even on the world's team, and I have to answer these questions. But yeah, like you said, this is a good episode to kind of, I think everyone, no matter what allegiance you are under, IPF, USAPL, you're definitely going to enjoy this episode for the future of powerlifting, if you love powerlifting. Um, And yeah, so that'll do it for Two White Lights. We'll see you guys next week, I think, with Sean Collins. Peace!